It's a joy and a pleasure to be with you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Kelsey Parker. I'm one of the pastors here, and King of Kings is our family of faith. Whether this is your first time or you've always been with us, welcome. We'll be celebrating Holy Communion this morning, so hopefully you did receive one of the prepackaged cups on your way in. If not, please feel welcome and comfortable to move back there and grab one at any point in today's service so that we can commune together. And for those who are tuning in on our live stream, you can gather your bread, wine, or grape juice, and then share with us uh, in communion in that way. A few announcements for today. We are extremely blessed and excited to have our guest preacher, Matthew Jewell, one of our seminarians here with us this morning. We had the gift of hearing Stephanie preach last week as we sent her off to her internship, and Matthew so graciously in his two weeks of break before school has offered to preach, and so we're very grateful that you're here, Matthew. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Please don't forget, if you haven't filled out the time and talent opportunity sheet, you can find it on our website. We're collecting those through September 1st. We'd like to know where your passions and interests are so that we can engage with you and find a place for you in our ministry at King of Kings. God's Work Our Hands is collecting school supplies to benefit local Macomb County children who need help and support. You can get a flyer over in the Holy Grounds area by all those bins of school supplies to see what they're collecting. Our VBS kids really brought those piles up, so that was exciting for them, but there's many kids with needs, so please continue to contribute to that. I'm looking for one or two more adults who don't mind painting to meet me here tonight at 6 p.m. We are giving a facelift to our tween Sunday school room for our fourth through sixth graders. They'll be kicking off their Wednesday nights in the fall. And we're changing the color, so if you don't mind painting and have about an hour to spare, just see me after service, and I'll give you the details. And for anyone who's visiting with us for the very first time today, please stop by our welcome table to your left when you go into the lobby, and we'd like to welcome you properly with a gift. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of this Sabbath day the day and the moment where the cares of the world melt away, and we receive the opportunity to rest in you, in our chaos, our confusion, and our heaviness. Bring us your peace, your stillness, and your hope. When our backs are bent from the weight of this life, give us the strength and power to rise again, that we may live our lives centered in your grace and in the new life that flows from you. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, our Savior and Lord, and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, what an absolute pleasure it is to be here again after a year at seminary. If you can believe it, uh, it's been that long already. I certainly can't. And it's good to be back from from the Great White North, as I like to call it. Um, Rest assured, it is like 97 during the summer. Um, But I have just returned from a truly life-changing experience, uh, which is called CPE. It's called Clinical Pastoral Education, a bit of a mouthful. And it's something that each of us seminarians go through. And for me, it was a chaplaincy at a hospital on the medical surgical units at UMMC Fairview. I won't bother telling you the acronym, it's very long as well. But there I met 
tragedy. And I met God. And so that's what this sermon is about. I've also learned something interesting about myself. Turns out, I don't like rest. I mean, I like rest. I don't understand rest. I think that's probably more accurate. I am an overachiever, a workaholic, a serious type A, and if you know the Enneagram type 1, who delights in checking things off the list and winning awards. That always feels nice. And giving myself just a little pat on the back when things are completed. For me, rest is earned. I'm not saying that's how I should think. I'm saying that's how it sometimes comes through. Rest comes at the very end of the day after I have resolved every little problem that I can and have tied everything up in a nice, neat little bow. If I don't finish it all, well, I guess I just don't get to rest. I feel as if I don't deserve it yet. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? Okay, we got some workaholics out there. I'm not alone. I must continue to labor, working myself into exhaustion until my body, mind, or spirit gives out. And sometimes it's all three, and boy, am I in trouble then. Now I wonder, do you see anything potentially damaging about that mindset? Maybe a little problematic? Hey, I'm all about calling myself out. I know it's not the best. And my CPE group knew it too, and they like to call me out about it and say, hey, Matt, you got to stop. And you know what? They were right. So Sabbath became one of the three big goals that I made for myself for the summer. I was going to learn about this resting and what it felt like. And I stuck with it, and I read about it, and I reflected about it, and then I get a text from Pastor Dave who hears I'm coming back into town, he's like, do you want to preach? And I'm like, yeah, I absolutely do. I open my Bible to Luke 13, and guess what it's about? Sabbath. Of course it is, because God has a sense of humor, and that never dies away. So now that I've called myself out about Sabbath, it's time to call you out too. And that's right, I'm here to get controversial. Because I get the sense that there are very few people in this room that actually know how to experience Sabbath. And hey, I'm not doing that to shame you. I just want to call things how they are. Because if your concept of Sabbath involves coming to church for an hour on a Sunday or just listening in for an hour and then returning immediately to your way of life, your concept of Sabbath needs some work. And that's okay because mine does too. So let's go on this journey of learning together. First, I think it's important to note that Sabbath or Shabbat comes to us from Judaism, and the word itself can be defined as to rest, to be at a standstill, or to seize. Beyond resting from work, it's associated with resting even from the thought of labor, which is completely unimaginable to me, but that's what it means. For Jewish folks, it's celebrated beginning at a sundown on Friday nights and ending at sundown on Saturday nights. We Christians, on the other hand, celebrate it on a Sunday, especially as we gather for worship, as we're doing right now. Both religious traditions see Sabbath as a way of commemorating the seventh day of creation where God rested, therefore granting us the ability and need to rest from our own work. But the similarities between Judaism and Christianity stop about there. I'm not Jewish, so I can't tell you everything about Sabbath. But I do have some insights. 
I know that it is the holiest and most important day of the year every time it happens, that it requires a great deal of preparation. You have to prepare to rest. Sounds a little weird, but that's how it is. It's about welcoming the day of rest like a bride. And finally, Sabbath is always much more than we can put into words. If we're going to touch on Sabbath this morning, we've got to connect with these traditions. Otherwise, we're going to enter a conversation in the Gospel of, of Luke that we know nothing about. Here, I think it's also important to recognize something. We often see the Judean leaders in the New Testament as unintelligent or tradition-bound or morally corrupt, and that's our biased Christian lens. We see Jesus as the conscientious Christian objector, arguing against the Jews, That's not the case. Our gospel reading will give us Jesus, the Jew, wrestling with his own people about a practice that is central to their shared identity. And now that we've set that stage, I think it's time to turn to Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. And please follow along on the screens. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when Jesus had said all of this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So at the center of this text is the ever-present debate of what refraining from work actually looks like in practice. It's one thing to say it, but to actually live it out, that's when it gets mysterious. For certain, preaching and teaching and engaging in spiritual reflection all fall in line with honoring the Sabbath. But what about healing a woman who's been crippled by an unclean spirit? Is that allowed? Well, Jesus seems to think so. And the Judean leaders do not agree. So our questions for ourselves are now, what is Sabbath in light of Jesus' actions in the story? And how does Jesus recontextualize rest and healing for us? How is Jesus leaning into the concept of Sabbath rather than dismissing it? Well, Abraham Heschel, a a rabbi and world-renowned theologian, wrote a book appropriately titled Sabbath. And it might help us out here. I'll try to make it applicable for you. For Heschel, we need Sabbath in order to survive human civilization. Specifically because our daily lives have us bound to things and spaces. 
Our lives are so often controlled by our possessions and our relationships and our careers and our cultures and perhaps even the more mundane aspects of our religious traditions that, whoops, we forget to live. We are so overtaken by material things that we forget life is more about taking time, about taking a moment to live in the sacred now. Now, to be sure, things aren't inherently bad. I don't want you to hear that. Things are not insignificant, but they can be distracting, and they can be consuming, and they can lead us to fall into a trap where life is defined by what we have and what we own and what we want. Suddenly, life becomes less about living and more about competing and struggling. Well, Sabbath opens that trap. It invites us to focus less on spaces and things and celebrate the time we have instead. And specifically, God's presence, even in the moment that we take a breath. Six days every week, we live under the tyranny of things of space, Heschel writes. And on the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. It is then that we may discover that Sabbath is actually about the preservation of ourselves, the preservation of God's love, joy, and peace in our hearts in this very moment. And here's the cool thing. That's just a taste of what Sabbath is. That's just scratching the surface. Heschel argues we must remember that it is not a thing that lends significance to a moment. It is the moment that lends significance to things. And maybe that's what Jesus' lesson in the Gospel of Luke is all about. Not just about the thing of healing itself, but more importantly, the moment of relief for the possessed woman. That moment of indwelling with God when there is finally, at long last, hope and peace for her story. What do you think that moment means to her? After 18 years, oh my gosh, 18 years of bondage, after being so afflicted that she is literally bent down to the ground and can't stand up, she is free. And the things of the world that had her bent over are removed. You see, the other six days of her week, the woman toiled and suffered and cried for mercy. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, she received the gift of resting in God and in God's love. Can you imagine the beauty of the moment? The beauty of this woman rising again, being lifted up, experiencing the chains falling away from around her, of being able to breathe freely once more. What might that feel like? What might that relief feel like in your bones? Maybe it, it would escape description. Well, this story can tell us a lot about our six days of strain and competition and exhaustion throughout our week. Because our souls, too, are yearning for that seventh day, a chance to connect with what is holy and pure. We are yearning for that connection to God's love and the restoration and peace that flows from the opportunity to simply rest. 
Because all week long, we could only dream of hope and healing as this life led us down the hills and through the valleys. And now on this, the seventh day, those gifts from God become actual reality. The Spirit comes to us on a gentle breeze and enters our hearts and whispers, Be still. And then suddenly the things of the world melt away and our chains fall and our backs straighten up and our faces rise. We start to live again. This moment that I have described, this moment of release and peace is God's Sabbath gift to each and every one of you. Sabbath confronts this lie that we've been told that every minute of our lives needs to be lived in service to things. Sabbath also confronts our unreasonable expectations for ourselves and reminds us that we are, at the end of the day, human. If we don't get our Sabbath, then our souls remain thirsty. We remain trapped in the cycle of endless work and toil that spills into the next week and the week after that. That's how I've lived my life a lot of the time. It doesn't really work. Because the need for rest doesn't disappear. It only grows. The truth of it all is that we were created to rest. That God created you to rest. That seventh day... We think creation is over. It isn't. It's the creation of rest for you. I've reckoned with that truth this summer, and I think for the first time in my life, I can actually tell you what Sabbath is. I'd like to share a story with you, and before I do that, I'm going to give you a content warning. Um, This story that I'm about to share is dark. It doesn't end that way, but it certainly starts that way. And it will involve the themes of sexual assault, suicide, and death. So if those themes are upsetting, or you need to take a break and step out, know that you're loved and that you're held. So I just want to give you that permission if that need arises. Back in June when I was first starting CPE, I met a young woman named Lauren. And by the time I met Lauren and her family, She was on life support and unconscious. Lauren had been attacked and sexually assaulted in her home by a man who she had tried to help. And in her despair over what had been done to her, she attempted to take her own life. And God sent me into this family's story no less than four different times to share in moments of intense pain and holiness. The first time I sat with Lauren's mother, Carol, for a full hour as she broke down and asked all the hard questions. Why? Why is this happening? The second time was late at night when I spoke a word of blessing over Lauren as she went to the OR to have her leg amputated. Because when your body starts to shut down and your limbs start to die, they take that extreme measure. The third occurrence was a random hallway encounter where I happened to see Carol sitting over by the elevators and thought, I'll check in with her. And she had hope, and we prayed. And the last time, 
the fourth time that God sent me into this family's life was to commend Lauren to God as her family made the decision to take her off life support. Lauren was 28 years old. That's a year older than me. So you can tell this story affects me very deeply. And I remember walking out of that room feeling like the darkness of the moment was clinging to my back, like digging nails into my shoulders. And I remember calling my mom and crying with her and saying, this is not fair. This is not the way things are supposed to be. I felt guilty being able to walk out of that room while I knew that Lauren would never walk again. And I felt guilty being able to talk to my mom when I knew that Lauren's mom would never hear her daughter's voice again. But here I am. And I lived on. And I returned to my life. Changed. I ended up going on a bike ride a few days after all of this happened. And that's one of the ways that I rest the most. I love riding my bike. And I encircled a lake nearby my home, and I saw the happy families having picnics in the fresh green grass. And I saw children flying kites in the evening breeze, and I saw people casting their fishing lines out towards the center of a still lake. And I saw the squirrels chasing each other up the trunks of the trees, winding up and up until they reached the canopy of leaves and chattered there. And I saw the sun setting with rays of bright orange and yellow and red. It was gorgeous. And my soul heaved. My soul heaved for the majesty of creation, for its sacredness, and for the loss of Lauren. And I realized that there was a connection between all of these things, and that connection had to do with Sabbath and some strange invitation from God to learn something brand new about this world and this life. My calling to be with Lauren and her family was sacred, not just because of where we were, but because God had chosen that moment to put us together, total strangers, to mourn, to cry, to say words of love. And then God had chosen another moment while I was on a bicycle of all things <laughs> to show me what grace and hope and resurrection look like in the midst of tragedy. It was then that I took a time to just heal my heart, to stand up again after having been laid low, to name the darkness that had affixed itself to my back, and to hear these words from Jesus, You are set free the darkness can't have all of me. And that's what I tell it. My heart, that's God's. So for me, Sabbath is nothing less than the chance to recover God's love for the world and God's love for me right in the middle of the deepest of heartache. When I take a moment to rest, the truth of God's love sings out from everything around me. So now, rather than carrying only sorrow in my soul, I can keep the time I spent with Lauren and her family sacred in here 
because that moment mattered, and so do all the moments that have followed, because God has been there in each of them and has loved me through it all. And in that truth, I can finally, at long last, rest. So what does Sabbath mean to you, people of God? Is it a strange word? Is it annoying? Is it a struggle? Or is it a source of comfort? Does it fill you up? Do you want it to fill you up? Are you like the woman in our gospel text from Luke, weighed down by life and yearning for a moment of peace? Are you like me in Lauren's room, weighed down by the crushing emotional weight of suffering and sadness? Or do you feel free in this moment, free to breathe, free to love and to be loved? Well, dear ones, wherever you are on this journey right now, hear these words from your Savior. Child, you are set free. You don't have to toil today, not today, here and now, to simply exist and breathe and be a person with all that entails is enough. My prayer for you, dear ones, is that you remember the Sabbath day and you keep it holy in your lives and in your souls. Remember the Sabbath because you are God's beautiful creation. Remember because God didn't create you to spend every waking moment of your life in competition and in labor and in distress. Remember because God sent you Jesus Christ to remind you that you are ultimately free from the demands of this world. Be present to God. Be present to each other and be present to yourselves. Take a moment to rest in the knowledge that God has chosen this very moment here and now to be with you. To fill up your heart and your soul and to remind you that you are not abandoned or forgotten on this crazy journey of life. May you all learn to fall in love again with this, the sacredness of these moments of time. These moments where God comes to rest in you and you come to rest in God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this moment, this very moment where we can just be, to sit here and breathe, and to know that you are with us, that your presence has never abandoned us, and that your desire for us today is that we would just rest in you. Whatever is going on in our lives, Lord, you know that you are holding us, that you will bear burdens with us, that you will remind us now and again to take the burdens off. And so as we experience that in ourselves and in our lives, may you teach us how to bear each other's burdens, how to show up for each other, how to give the gift of rest to others. And Lord, we thank you for all who you are, for your presence in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name.
and all of God's children say, Amen. Please stand as you're able. As much as Sabbath is a beautiful gift from our living God, so is prayer. This is the moment when we can open our hearts to God and speak honestly and earnestly about our sufferings and our joys. We can lift up one another in hope and love and call upon God to intercede for the things that we can't control, can't understand, or can't name aloud. So now, gathered into one body by the Holy Spirit, let us pray for each other, for God's church, and for God's beloved world. After each petition, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with hear our prayer. Let us pray. God of stillness and respite, through the wildernesses of this life, the toils, the hardships, and the pain we experience, you have demonstrated your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercy for us time and time again. Where we are weary, bring us strength. Where we are disillusioned, bring us faith. Where we are worn and ragged, give us healing and hope. Remind us that it is never too late to discover the gift of rest in you, the gift of a new start, the chance to breathe freely again. So fill our lungs and our hearts and our souls again, O God, that we may walk into this world as beacons of your light and of your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all creation, the world that you have crafted with love and compassion needs rest. Nature needs rest from the wildfires and the storms and the effects of climate change. Your people, God, need rest from the storms of division and hatred, injustice and inequality. Rest from all the things that would separate us from each other and from you. So today and every day, bless your beautiful creation with release and healing that all might be restored, renewed, and enlivened once more. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassionate awareness, you see those of us who are bent low by the burdens of this life, and you name each of us as your children, beautiful and beloved. Give us eyes to see the burdens of others, ears to hear the cries of those who are in need, and hearts that are ready to be moved when we are called by you to act and to cross boundaries. May we be your hands and your feet to those who need our help. And may we give as generously of ourselves as you do for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of this Sabbath day, there is so much in our personal lives from which we need rest. We take a moment to name some of those things now, aloud or in the silence of our hearts. Stress. Grief. Pain. 
Lord, we take comfort knowing that you have heard us. All those things that we have named today and the things that remain on our hearts and in our minds. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hopes in your promises, O God, we lift these and all of our prayers to you in confidence and faith as we now pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I now invite you to take out your bread and your wine or juice as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. I invite you to take off that top plastic. This seems a little silly. Here we go. (laughs) In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again after supper he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. People of God, May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. And just a quick word that uh, it's important that we ask for your continued financial support here at King of Kings. Uh, None of the ministries and amazing work that God does through us would be possible without your help. So the offering buckets are on your way out of the sanctuary by the doors. And if you're joining us online, there is a give opportunity on our website. Um, I think it's koklc.org. And you just click the Give Today button and know that every little bit that you give uh, is appreciated and celebrated, and it helps us to continue God's amazing work. And so now receive this blessing. For we are convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Dear ones, remember to rest today. Remember that you were created to rest and to enjoy creation, so take a breath. Know that you are loved and that you are held by God. And go in peace and share that good news. Thanks be to God.